A great Heavenly Father, it's such a blessing to be in your presence. And Lord, uh, we have a sacred responsibility here. Dear Lord, um, Sabbath school is, is more than teaching the lesson. And uh, we've been exploring that this week. Lord, uh, help us as we go back to our classes. Lord, uh, the reason we're here is probably because we feel inadequate. But Lord, um, this is your work. We're just the servants in your field. All you ask us to do is do our best. And so, dear Lord, that's what we're here, to serve. And uh, we'll do our part and let your Holy Spirit do the rest. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you, yesterday we talked about the different types of learning and learning teaching styles. And afterwards, Janet shared with me an item that she had done. And I said, did you do that for your, your the Sabbath school, the adult Sabbath school? She said, yes. I said, I think you need to tell your class. So we're going to have some show and tell. That takes us back to an earlier age. But, you know, I had said earlier, the book I really love the title to is Everything I Really Needed to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And you know, the truth of the matter is, is we use some of the best teaching techniques in our primary, in our, in our beginners, in our cradle roll departments, our kindergarten departments. As we get older, as the people progress in age, we think that they don't need those things. But the truth of the matter, they do need those things. Come on in. And I want to tell you what, I'm going to let Janet start, and then I'm going to review a little bit of, la of la uh, last night. We had some show and tell last night, if you really think about it. Think about that. So Janet, why don't you get up here and share some of the things that you do in your class. It's not our class, I'm the superintendent. You're a superintendent, okay. I, I'm going to have to mic you up, so. Okay. You've even brought some show and tell. Put that someplace. Of course I did. <laughs> Janet, Janet Walker is, is from the whole church. And uh, this is some of the things that she's done. Okay, I shared with him yesterday the Sabbath school picnic that we did. And after vacation Bible school, we always put up a big tent for our closing program. And a canopy is what it actually is. And I told them that I wanted tables and chairs out there the following Sabbath. I wanted it left up for a week. And I took the whole adult Sabbath school outside for Sabbath school. We had the serving table up front covered in picnic type tablecloth, red and white, check, you know. And I had called church members and asked them to find a Bible food to bring and tell them what inspired them and I wanted them to be able to tell what inspired them to choose that food. And a text, a story, whatever they wanted with it. I left it totally up to each individual. And if they had a picnic basket, to bring it in a picnic basket, much visual here as I could get. And um, they came in with their picnic baskets and brought out their dish. And, did a little spiel on what they had, and some just brought a dish and, and read a text that used that particular food, and that was it. Others went into a big description on the item that they brought and you know had a text and a story and just 
you know? So it was a variety that, it was an easy program. I put a tablecloth on and made five phone calls, you know? So, and I had someone lined up to give a mission story. I mean, how hard is that? The members did the program, not me. And I do that regularly. Um, last year after camp meeting, I was inspired here to do a Sabbath school garden. So after our, I had the platform set up, I had a wheelbarrow up there, I had garden tools, I had dirt, I had plants. I borrowed this from the ladies' room. I will return it, folks. <laughs> um, and under the plants, I used envelopes. I happened to have index cards. And people could come up and choose a plant and do whatever was underneath it. And I said, if you can read, you can do this. And so they'd take their card, and there was a scripture reading that they needed to read or song service they needed to lead with some page number, so, you know, they were set. Um, you know, whatever the program was, was on a card. Let me pause for a second. Sure. Let's take a learning moment from this. Do you yeah. need this mic? No, just, I'll, I'll, speak, I'll come over and speak by you. Okay. They say they can pick me up on the mic. Okay. <laughs> let, me, let me just pause because this is a learning moment. We, yesterday, we talked, those who were here yesterday, we talked about the different learning styles. What were some of those learning styles? Visual, Visual auditory, and tactile. When that person picked up this, what is this? When they pick up, they pick up the plant. <laughs> he says it's a plant. But when they pick up the plant, what is that? That's tactile. Are you addressing a learner that you often never touch? I like that. Touch. You're, you're addressing, and what her programs here, the picnic basket and all that, will that engage a learner who, who is often left out the tactile one? Absolutely. I just made a decision. Now, some of you came in a little bit later. I talked to Pastor DeBasia. Remember, I was, you, some of you... Asked yesterday, we we talked about workshops to do to learn, and you asked us for that, and so I went and talked to Pastor DeBasier. I said my class is demanding, <laughs> demanding um, that we have some training, and I'm getting back to you, Janet. But uh, a teachable moment here, and he said we are working on it and they're working on the schedule. They promise us that there will be a Sabbath School workshop. They've had some date scheduling problems, but they are will have one in the next year, so stay tuned. But what I'm going to do with this teachable moment that, is that, Janet, you are going to be at the Sabbath School workshop giving this presentation. <laughs> Very good. Uh, is that a... a Asking or <laughs> demanding? <laughs> okay. For one of our mission stories, um, and it was probably in September, October, uh, there was a story about a well that had gone dry and the wife was a member, the husband wasn't, and the church was praying because they only had so much money. I see a head nodding. You remember that story? And we happened to have a well at our church. And I said, oh, great time to use it. We only use it when we do the Bible time VBS. So 
I got it out and I put it out in the yard. And as we did our story, I worked with the person that was going to do the mission story. We coordinated everything. We had an adult take our one of our beginners out and check the well to see that it was dry. And then we had another beginner go out and check the other well because this was the third well they were going to put in. And that well was dry. Then when they drilled the well, we had taken a piece of the grass up, made a little hole there, and we had a little pump there, and we plugged it in at the right moment that it gushed up, you know. And it was a small pump. It wasn't a big gush, but it got the point across. It got the kids looking out the window and saying, you know, so you just make it come alive if you can. And I got a question. Did only the children appreciate that lesson? No, I think the adults enjoyed it. <laughs> Don, did you enjoy it? Were you there that week? You wasn't there, okay. <laughs> um, we, for Mother's Day, I did a mystery guest. And I had three ladies in the audience, and um, they each represented a different mother. And we did a 20 question. Okay. So I had someone MC it. I did not do it. <laughs> and then I had um, them call up the first mystery guest. And that happened to be Fanny Crosby. And then we let her lead out in one of her songs. So that was our opening song. You know, you just work it into whatever comes to your mind. I can be reading a book and something hits me and I write a Sabbath school program. How can I develop this? And I write it down. So, but I, you know, I chose someone who leads song service. You, you have to select a little bit, you know. You don't want someone who doesn't sing up there to do that one. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, Laura, Laura, Flora Palmer. Do you know who Flora Palmer is? Oh. <laughs> Don, you said yes. Did you say yes? No. Was she, was she an early Sabbath school leader, writer? Some, yes, Don? I think so, yes. Yes. <laughs> and um, very, very much promoting missions. So I had her give the mission story then. And it was 20 questions for them, and all they had to do was answer yes or no and then do their little part. So you just get someone that does the mission story well, and they, you know they play that part well. Um, I am. <laughs> um, how to have a good conversation. I had a mother and teenager do this, and it was a little back and forth conversation. It was open and closed questions. We talked about questions, you know, and what we can get out of them. And we had that program one week. For Father's Day, we did it the week before camp meeting because we just never do Father's Day because we're here. And um, we had a quiz. I, I really like to do this. <laughs> Keeps you all guessing. We named the children from the Bible, and you had to give us the father. Just, now, did you ask Rob to put it off the top of your head, or did you, could you look it up in the Bible? Um, I didn't tell them that they couldn't look it up. If... Uh, a lot of them knew it just like that. I didn't make it real hard. I'm not. 
<laughs> I gave you some of the easiest ones. You should have seen the list I didn't use. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I spent a lot of time going through trying to decide. I didn't want them all easy, but, you know. Um, let's see. And I suppose one of my favorites was the back to school. And I mentioned to one of our members that um, I was going to be presenting this morning. I said, I got to think about what programs I had. And she said, oh, that school one. So I said, yeah. You know, but the back to school, we did the different subjects that you have in school. For reading, I had someone do a responsive reading. For math, are you here for that one? Oh, you missed that one too. For math, we did Bible and math together. Okay. And um, it started the days of creation. Seven times the number of brothers Joseph had. Uh, uh, okay. We didn't ask for answers. We just asked you to figure it. Um, the, so you times that. So do you have your total in mind? The number of sheep safe in the fold? Okay, you have to add that on. Okay, you need paper and pencil really to do this. But we went down through this, subtracting, multiplying, adding, till we had our hymn number that we were going to sing. Uh, remember there was uh, 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 one learning person that liked that, that analytical and I think this would reflect well or would resonate with them well. And um, Lloyd Smith, who has been a church school teacher, is a member of our church, and I had him do this because he's very musical too, so he just loved it. <laughs> we had one person that had the right answer at the end. So, um, and then uh, with that program, um, science, have you ever thought about prayer being a science? Science of prayer? Um, Ellen White wrote something about that, and I don't know just where that is. Um, but, uh, you know, you, I've got something here. Just a minute. Um, I didn't bring my glasses up. Okay. Um, we can't put God in a test tube, but we can. But through prayer, we can find the evidence of his existence. And so, did you test God this week? Wonderful. Or have you done an experiment in the laboratory of prayer? This is a, be a great, um, you have something there, Don? Oh, Okay. Don said that there's, the nominating committee said the SAB school was dead, so what do they do? Creative? Change things around, okay. Janet? Okay. And we see 
Amen. This is the result of what one creative. In fact, I want you to share those ideas because a lot of SAB schools, their preliminaries are dead. And the reason why, they, why the rest of the people want to kill it is because they're dead. You know, and you need that creativity. Did she, did she successfully, successfully introduce visual, intellectual, tactile? Absolutely. Now, I hope that that role modeling trickles down into our Sabbath school classes. Amen? Amen? You know what? I don't know if we've, we did have a prayer. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Pre-class work. Um, what things have you learned since... The, thank you very much, Janet. It exceeded my expectations. I guarantee you. I thought you were bringing one thing. She brought a whole... Bring what I could, so she did. And, now, and you know what the wonderful thing is? Somebody remembered. You asked that person, and you say, what programs? And she told you... She told what, me she misses it because she's in the children's department. She's the one that told you about the program. That, that means it registered. It had a long-lasting effect. Elder Ke Kelly's meeting, what things did you learn last night that might apply to Sabbath school? I thought of a couple things. What, Don's shaking his head. You're... Exactly. What did the baton, how can that apply to Sabbath school? Uh, it, first of all, what one of the senses that we studied yesterday did it affect? What's that? Tactile? I think it also, absolutely, that was what I came up with first. But when he tossed that baton at the last minute, did that grab everybody's attention? It's like, what is he doing? <laughs> you know, once in a while, you gotta, you gotta shock him once in a while. Especially, you know, especially if you've been talking for 40 minutes, you know, you gotta, and I'm thinking, is anybody gonna catch it? And, Really, that was the point. Is, is you're passing that baton? Is the next generation going to get it? How does that apply to Sabbath school? How does that apply to Sabbath school? Get stuck, stuck in rut. Not, not get, give it off. To, what if you're the only person doing it? Can you run a relay with one person? No. You got to have a team. You got to bring some more people on. You have to not only people the same age, but you've got to pass it on. If you you as a teacher has to pa have to pass that to the to the students. If you're the only one studying and you don't pass, don't inspire them. I'm going to back up. You know you notice one thing. I sat down for a while during this presentation. I let one of my students get up and and teach. This, the more you can, if you can conduct the, the discussion and the thought, the objectives without being up front, you, you, you're extra uh, successful. But passing that baton, clearly, that's anybody who was there last night, that was frozen their mind. You'll probably remember that for a little while. You may always remember him for throwing that baton. Yes, Don. Don asks Hooks questions. Memories, illustrations. Can't be just talking. Some 
hook a memory to. Um, do you think, and Janet's illustration here, the Sabbath picnic lunch, do you think that that program will be forgotten? No. Her point is, is long, if you can, that illustration can hook them, what a wonderful thing. One of the things he talked about at the beginning was objective parenting. Does objective parenting have anything to do with Sabbath school? What is the parallels? Don, go ahead and share that with me too. You need to know your class. Have a direction. You know where you're going. You have vision. That's what we talked about. Uh, we talked about if the students run the school, you don't have school. And if if the class, if there's no leader, and the and the class runs the class. The leader can have, doesn't have to be leading all the time, but he has to be directing and setting the vision. If you don't have that, then you don't have class. So that's objective parenting. You have, the parent has to be the parent, has to be willing to discipline and to be unpopular, not unnecessarily. You also have to earn you have to earn the privilege to discipline. You need to have done that from day one. Of course, if they're adopted, you, you're behind the eight ball, but you still have to earn the privilege. When you discipline, it needs to be in love and you need to have authority. You need to have something in the bank when you discipline that. There's roles and responsibilities in Sabbath school. And they need to be fulfilled. If, that you need to support the other adults. Um, and I think about that in the class. Oh, she said the parent needs to support the teacher so the teacher can do their job. And I think that as a SAB school's teacher, you need to support your superintendent. I had, I had teachers who were rebellious. And you need to support. We cannot, and what he talked about is is going in the same direction, having the same vision he talked about a few nights before. The Sabbath school class, this, this council needs to be working together and we need to be willing to pay the price. You have to give up something once in a while. You have to do something extra. One of the problems I had is just scheduling a meeting for Sabbath school council. Half the group doesn't stay for potluck. And so they want to have the, the Sabbath school meeting before, before, uh, after church, before, uh, after church, before the potluck, because they don't want to give up having their meal at home. They didn't want to be inconvenienced. Pastor Kelly says you've got to pay up, be willing to pay a price if you want to have knit, knit together and if you want to have unity, you've got to give up something. So half the, one third of the group said, have the meeting immediately after the church, and while I'm in the me meeting, they're saying, hurry up, hurry up, I'm hungry. They set me up, they a difficult situation. You're going to say something, Jack? Where was their, where was their focus at that point? Uh, right, on their stomach, on themselves. So what value was it? It was diminished. It was diminished. It was better to have that meeting than not have one at all. Okay. Because that's what happens unless a leader stands in and says, 
we're going to have a meeting, I need you there. And then the other third is at the other end of the spectrum, they want to eat. They want to have the fellowship dinner, and then they'll meet after the fellowship dinner. The, fellow, the people wanted to eat first, have the fellowship dinner, were intolerant to the people who want to have the meeting first. So you have one-third and one-third and one-third in the middle who... And I said, what, what, what a terrible situation. You've got to give. Somebody's got to give. I told the, the group, I said, I don't care what time you have the meeting. I'll be there. But you got to decide. And you all have to decide on the same thing. I'm not going to run separate sessions for half the group or the other half. We have to support each other. You got to support your superintendent. You need to support your pastor. And um, passing on the baton, very well covered already. This morning meeting, I didn't even write it because I was um, I was working on something. I was working on this afterwards. But did you? What out of the morning meeting touched you? Any things for Sabbath school? I wrote them down here, and this is what I thought of. And if you have some other, please feel free to add to it. I said, um, he said to Levi Matthew, Christ is, um, leave, they, uh, to leave his, uh, he come follow me, and he left his his tax collecting. He said to to the, to the fishermen, Peter and such, he says, come follow me, and they left their nets. So there's a, there's a cost. Until you've given everything, you really can't, um, you have to surrender all. And I think you need to surrender all in your Sab school quest. If you're ever going to really be the leader that God wants you to do to lead the Sab school, you may have to change your priorities. You may have to put more time into it. Do you have the passion for your thing? I mean, this is my personal thing. I start, sometimes I start working on my Sabbath school program Sabbath afternoon for the following week. Now I do that, then I'm working on it Friday night and I'm working for two hours and I'm working on another hour or two Sabbath morning I've got three to five hours into my thing, and do I regret it? Do I begrudge it anymore? I absolutely love it because I love the people. But it probably shows in your in the way you're as a superintendent or as a teacher. If you're preparing that much time compared to some of the two hours the night before, what's the quality difference? You know, it's it's like the. Uh, was that great pianist said, I can tell if I didn't practice one day, I know the difference. If I missed two days, my coach knows the difference. And the third day, if I didn't practice, my audience knows the difference. And I've seen people giving sermons and I say, I know they didn't, pra- they, they didn't get enough time this, this particular week. But, um, and, and the other thing, we, the steps to Christ... And the rich young ruler really hit me. I think that that's where many of our Sabbath school people are at. They may be lifelong Adventists. They may have been in Sabbath school from from beginner's cradle roll, from the very beginning. 
but they're not converted. Don't assume that your Sab school class members are converted. Call for conviction and you'll be surprised. You may find some people come under conviction you don't expect. So ask for conviction. Lead them to conviction. That's one of the things I got. You, you know what? I think you could go through Steps to Christ in a Sab school preliminary program and do it like uh, Elder uh, Howard did and call for each one of those steps. I think our church needs to go through this. I think I need to go through I was blessed by it this week. Steps to Christ. And you, we've already gone. That's the show and tell. Janet, I've already planned you in there. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for what you did. This is what we've done so far. For those, we have a lot of new, fair, about a third of our class is new. We talk, talked about vision and leadership. We talked about the power of a question. And I think, Don, you touched on that. Um, and there'll be a little review. I'm going to go faster than I had planned. Teaching different ways. That's what we talked about yesterday. Um, and we'll talk about review that quickly. Listening is what we're talking about today. Fellowship is, is the social, the knitting. And then we'll do a summary in the roles of Sabbath school teachers. Our goals, which we now have a banner over here, is Bible study and prayer, fellowship, and missions. And missions uh, once was two sections. Now it's, it's into one. It's interesting. You can define the same thing. Uh, there was an intellectual discussion last night between Pastor Howard and Pastor DeVazier of should fellow is fellowship a byproduct of Bible study and missions, or is it one of the things you do? And then, which comes first, fellowship or 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 the other components? It was it was just interesting. I said I'm leaving this conversation. I'll leave this up to you, the, the two of you to do that. <laughs> but community and world missions. If we don't give it a folk, we have the tendency to become self-centered. And the world missions helps us to take our, our eyes off ourselves. I was invited to go to India by my next-door neighbor. He's not an Adventist, but he, is, he has um, come to church a number of times. And um, he invited me to go to India as his guest. And I spent three weeks of India at his house. He has two houses. And uh, I said, but I want to go to church, and uh, please find me a church. So I went to church two of the three Sabbaths um, in a town. We had, to, we had to drive. He hired a driver, and we, we probably took us 45 minutes to an hour to get to the, to the church. And um, the church has, has probably about 100 people worshiping, and they have a school, and they have 1,000 kids in the church school. 1,000 kids in the church school. That's in the high school. And then they have about a few hundred in, in the elementary school. What was your... What? I said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. And um, it was interesting. Uh, they asked me to preach since I was there. And when I preached, I said, and I'm looking out over the congregation I said, I remember mission stories about this. I said, this is real. I am living a mission story right at this moment. 
We sent money over here for, I've been an Adventist for 60 years. I've been sending my Sabbath school lessons. I'm actually getting to touch and feel my Sabbath school mission offering. It was just, there was this well, I mean, I'm getting tingly just thinking about it right this moment. It's just, that's what missions, and you know what? They, they read the mission story in Sabbath school about a, somewhere in, in South America, you know? And they gave a donation, a, don, a mission field giving a, a mission thing. That's the way our church works. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful picture. Don't forget it. You need to have that. That needs to be a part of your preliminaries. We talked about the church leadership. You're a member of the team. You're a change influence. You're in, if you're not, that's a problem. You're doing it for eternity, not just now. You are a part of the, the leadership. You're assistant to the pastor. You're the first responder when you see the spiritual problems while they're still sitting in your class. By the time they've left, they've already made that. They're about, you're about six weeks too late. You need to identify that when you start hearing the drift of the theological thinking. And the role modeling, how you behave, and then the counseling. There's a time for counseling outside of class. What facilitators, I didn't read this before, but what the class facilitators do, the teachers, and say make or break someone's fragile or budding relationship with the Savior. you got to have a desire to be a Sabbath school teacher. you got to have a willingness to help people. We talked about Aaron. Was he a good leader or was he a bad leader? And we debated that particular thing. But there was when the critical time came, he was not a good leader. He led the people into, to, he allowed sin, even though he didn't conduct it. He sanctioned it by not standing up. And we as Sabbath school teachers sometimes graciously, once in a while, unpleasantly, when it needs to be, when the wrong is wrong. You try to avoid it, avoid it, avoid it, but if that wrong ceases to exist, you have to address it. You can't lose the whole class over one deviant person. You need to have vision and direction. You need to have backbone. You need to love them, not necessarily be liked but to be loved, and to know how and when to apply the rules. And that came out of Pastor Kelly's talk. You need to have a passion for others' spiritual growth. You need to th see Sabbath school as evangelistic. Not that you're looking for numbers, but if numbers don't show up, there's probably you're lacking someplace. It's a calling by the Holy Spirit, and it's affirmed by other people. You may not even see, and this is talking, we're talking to the choir, but as you're talking about getting more Sabbath school teachers, you have a deficiency. Sometimes you see a calling for people and you need to nurture them and help them and say, uh, and, and we've talked about that a little bit off, off the record here. The toolkits is the classes. We're working on those. Watch for the announcements this Sabbath. Hopefully by this Sabbath we'll find a date for a Sabbath school workshop. Go online to the Sabbath School websites. You'll find it there on the, the church websites. Find a mentor, mentor, be a mentor to somebody. 
reach out. And I've offered my services to some SAB school classes, uh, uh, SAB schools to help them out. And, and uh, so seek that out and go observe successful ones. Find somebody who's doing it right. Is preparation training a one-time? If you watch the, you know, your actions speak louder than words. If you look at some of your Sabbath school teachers, when was the last time some of the Sabbath school teachers have ever been to a workshop? You need to maintain your spirit, your edge. You need to improve with new ideas, teaching methods, reviewing the ones that you've had before. Why? Because your, your class members change, they age, and, and they grow in various rings. You have a diversity. You, are you reaching? And that's what we talked yesterday. Are you reaching your different age groups? They have different focuses, different life experiences. Are you touching? Yesterday we had a grid and you could just faintly see. You may need to grade yourself. Make a chart to say, am I touching the tactile? Am I doing the visual? Am I doing the auditory? Am I going to the nine intelligences we talked about? And we can, you can get that on the, on the slides. So if we talked about the power of question, questions trigger thoughts and responses. You can have questions that are convergent, that kind of a, that, or they be divergent. They can be thought-provoking. Make uh, There's five types of questions. And then you can use the sarcotic, sarcotic, I can't even say it, um, methods of questioning. A questions leads to learning. And we talked about convergent was standard questions with obvious answers are convergent. That's what we used to do in Bible classes. That's what we used to do in some of our uh, Sabbath school lessons. That's what some people still do when they're in Sabbath school class. I said, shared with them, I was one person I remember in Wyoming, didn't matter what the subject was, they always gave the same answer every single week. That's, that's a standard obvious answer. You need to give them a question they can't use that answer from. A divergent with a variety of answers. Thought-provoking. How? Use these questions. Challenge one's ver their viewpoints. What if? That encourages speculation. Get them out of their rut. Should. That, that nurtures an ethical or moral choice. Should you do this in this and then which one that helps you focus and to organize and to start bringing, you diverge, and then eventually you need to come back to a conclusion and call for a decision, call for an action, a change of behavior. And why? This is cause to effect. And the other thing I can add to it, don't just ask one question. If you've just asked one question, You've just made a dent. You haven't made a breakthrough. You've got to pound on that wall with questions until you get a change of, of behavior or thought. Now, the different ways to teach the lessons we talked about, you deal with the generations. They have different perspectives, a different life experience. Look at different learning styles, the three, listening, hearing, and touching. And then the different nine intelligences some are more physically intelligent, intellectually, and the nine gardeners. We, there's the silent gen, the generations we talked about. They, they were silent. They're before the um, 1926, they were conformists. They trusted authority. The boomers and builders, they were um, the, the Depression, 
and the World War II hardworking auditory group. You know, we do this together. Baby boomers, they, they folk, 46 to 64, they were more materialistic. Uh, they are more materialistic. They're wary. They question authority. They're hard to sometimes get to cooperate. Some of them are in the prime of your teachers right now. They like highly visual. The earlier ones, the radio was how they learned it. So they're auditory. They're, this is the television generation. Then the baby boomers from 65 to uh, Generation X. Postmodern, there's no right or wrong. And if you listen to our Sab school classes, you're hearing a lot of people saying that there's not, there's no right answer. You can, listen how often you can say there's not really a right answer for all of us. That's the world coming into the church. And you need to be the Sabbath school teacher to address that. They're tech savvy. They like to see the technology. They'll have their, their lesson. They'll, they'll study their Sabbath school lesson on their cell phone or listen to it. Leisure loving. Uh, pleasure, experience, relationships over doctrine. Scary. And the generation Y, X, uh, Echoes, Boomers, this is everybody's sense. I would, I would subdivide this. I think now these generations need to be separated because uh, they have short attention spans. That's a generalization that is true. Technologically experienced. Seek authority. It says accept non-traditional. That's true, but there's a genera the last generation that's coming along. If you watch the young people, they actually appreciate the grandparents. And they're more respectful to their parents than the, some of the other generations. So this is actually subdividing a little bit. But some, it's a one generalization. And we talked about the visual learners. They want to have facial in your class. They like circles, auditory, and hearing. They would prefer to have a lecture, listening to others' comments. They listen to the tone of your voice. We, and I have to work on this, now that I'm working in radio, I pay attention. I have to enunciate and have more rich and deep sound, but I'm used to talking more straightforward. So... Maybe you want to talk with that. We talked about the kinesthetic quite heavily today and very appropriate because it's left behind in the adult Sabbath school class. They need variety in your, in your preliminaries. That's a lot of positive variety that you're providing. Praise the Lord. It's got to seep down into the individual Sabbath school classes, not just into the... They're easily distracted. We went over the nine intelligences... <laughs> I'm going to skip that. In the nine, it's spatial. They like pictures. Linguistics likes words. They like Philip, um, Clifford Goldstein. They love him. Um, logical, mathematical. You talked about doing that, that program with the math. They would, that intelligence, you just spoke to that, that group of people, oh, Janet. Body and kinesthetics. That's my friend who loves motorcycles, loves bicycles. I mean, Whatever it is, he just body smart. They're probably good basketball players and stuff. Musical, rhythm, that speaks to them. So you have music in your program once in a while. It's Fanny Crosby. Uh, in interpersonal intelligences, they get, have good relationships. That's, you know some people just don't get along with people. And some do much better. 
There's a person in the Wyoming church, she, I don't think she's ever offended anybody, but she's still principled. Think of Judy Frederick. She gets, she gets along with everybody. She just, like, what a talent. Naturalistic, they, they can work with plants and the environment. Sounds like Dr. Atkins to me. But existential, they want, to th they want that, that big questions, the deep questions. They have ability for that. Today's lesson is on listening. Can you hear it all? Can you listen and hear what is actually being said? I don't know if anybody can think of it, the statistics. I didn't look it up, but how much we actually hear. We just hear a fraction and retain a fraction of what is actually said. Listening is one thing that is, is not taught. Uh, the five basic approaches to listening and to uh, the and productive listeners' basic strategies. So poor listeners, name some poor listeners, and that's just a hint there. What are some poor listening habits? Let's let's dialogue. Let's use questions. Yes. Somebody's you got a conversation going, and you want to interject something. You, somebody's talking, so you just keep thinking, "I'll get a chance. I'll get a chance. I'll get a chance." And as soon as the chance comes, you put it in. So you're already planning what you're going to say, so you're not listening to them. Exactly. In fact, uh, if you if any of you went to the marriage seminar with John Loma came last, uh, I caught part of that, and he he illustrated that very well of not listening. Uh, some the not how to do it. Mind reading. Anybody can think of anything else that's a poor listening habit. Uh, I think you were saying rehearsing, and it's the way Jack was talking about, he's thinking about what they're going to say the next time. Mind readers try, uh, kind of um, second guess what they're trying to say. What are they really trying to say? What if you listen to them and then reflect and say, did you mean that? This is what I heard you say. But assuming what they're doing, filtering it, oh, they are... They really don't love me. Uh, that's kind of part of that marriage thing. Um, they said that, but they don't really mean that. I think this is what their motive is. Did you really hear what they had to say? Dreamers, kind of. You're, I'm talking to you, but you aren't listening. You know, you're thinking about something else. I think we do that a lot. It's probably a universal sin. Identifiers. I don't remember the definition of that. But that's not all. There's even more. There's comparers, derailers. You're talking, but they're interrupting you. And they're, they're taking you away from the... They aren't listening. They're redirecting the conversation. Spars. What would a spar be? They're red... What's that? Argumentative, yes, yes, yes. Argumentative. Placators. Well, what's wrong with a placator? Are they, are they going to learn much if you're just, yes, I mean, just kind of. If you're, out to, if you're having conversation, you need to have some dynamics. You need some reflection. They need, the speaker needs feedback from, from you. Listening, actually, the, I went to, uh, I was blessed and uh, privileged 
to go to the North American Division's uh, Teachers Convention. And this is, I actually went to this seminar and I'm giving due credit to whose material is, The Power of Listening for the Principles. This, and I've just adapted it from that particular, these are the authors, Evelyn Savory and Marva um, McIntosh, presented in August 6th of 2012. Deliberate and explicit learning approaches, the most basic, listen to this, the most basic human need is the need to feel understood. And how does listening fit into the need to be understood, the felt need for understood? It's the most important. It is probably the highest evidence I respect you, as somebody said, I respect you more when I'm listening than probably any other way that I, I uh, can respect you, is to listen to you. So how does that apply to teaching? You're talking, don't you, I mean, isn't a teacher the one who talks all the time? No. See how much you can listen. See how much you can listen, and you're, Understanding, your felt understanding of your of your class will increase greatly. Yes, Don. It's important to affirm. The more you affirm, the the more you approve, the more you get. If you affirm a person, you're drawing them into the conversation. Amen. Listen. Amen. I think he's got it. <laughs> you <laughs> you got to ask more questions. And, and do less declarative statements. See how few a statements you can make. Save them for the big time. Save them for the finale and ask as many questions before you get to the finale. Earn the privilege to make a declarative statement. It's built by questioning. Yes? Could you ask a question? And the answer? That's where listening, you really hear what they say. That's what we're trying to get at is listen to what they're saying. Otherwise, could be taking down rabbit hole. Could be taking down rabbit hole. And is it possible that you didn't hear them? You did not understand what they're saying? That's when you want to reflect and say, I heard you say, it's a learned habit. I have not learned this. As I'm not applying it as much as I should. And I could do better the rest of this seminar, right? Okay, the listening categories is discriminative, comprehensive, evaluative listening, empathetic listening, and appreciative listening. What, what is your gut reaction to those terms? So your pre, what you bring to this, discriminative listening, comprehensive listening, evaluative listening, and empathetic and appreciative. Let's start at the bottom. What do you think appreciative li listening is? What would be an ex Go ahead. <coughs> Right, that I yeah I can appreciate what you're saying in that 
either I have experienced the same or I know someone that has experienced the same. You're affirming it. <coughs> You're affirming them, right? I, I think you're on the right track. Empathetic listening. Um, my wife's best friend from childhood is an awesome, empathetic listener. You love to talk and have her listen. Because she listens and you get a feedback of affirmation she's heard you. Empathetic. Evaluative listeners, you're evaluating what they're saying. You're not... You're, it's actually, you're processing that. Let's, let's just keep moving on. Hearing is a function of the ear, but listening is a function of the will. Give, rephrase that for me, Jack. What, how, if you were to paraphrase that, how would you paraphrase that statement? It's a conscious choice. It's a conscious choice. If I listen Exactly. I'm, am I putting any value to it? I appreciate that. What we affirm, we get more of. What we rail against or ignore, we get less of. So choose what you're going to affirm. Reasons we don't listen well. Listening is hard work. <laughs> I have to actually... I have to put aside what I'm doing and I have to try to concentrate on what you're trying to say. And maybe you're saying something I didn't think I heard. Have you ever had the experience that if you listen long enough, you may come up with a different conclusion than the first, first get, impression that you got? The best way, that's, you know why this is super important if I deviate, if somebody says something that is derogatory or feel critical about, I try to, I have the, the intent that I pr probably misunderstood what they had to say. I might want to listen a little longer. And I've, that sometimes keeps you from flying off the hatchet and, and doing something stupid. Reason we don't listen well, number two, is a lack of training. I mentioned that, who trains us? Nobody, there's no formal training Hopefully your parents gave you some training in listening. Listening is hard because it requires, and this list is long. This list is almost 18 items. Listening requires patience. You ever listen to some, have somebody talk and they don't get to the point too fast? It takes a lot of patience. It takes discipline. There might be, especially when you're after church, and, and uh, Pastor Kelly talked about this last night. He made a personal principle. Oh, no, it was, it was Pastor uh, Lomacane gang. He said that New Yorkers can do six conversations at any given time. He says, I've learned, he, he says, you can talk, say hi here, hi here, and you're talking to that person. But you're, and, and I had a friend, a person I knew, actually at the Lansing Church, many years ago, so long ago that nobody can, can connect with him. But you'd be talking to him in the lobby of the church. I still remember this. This is 40-plus years ago. And he would be talking to everybody. You'd be talking to him, and yet he would be talking to everybody else at the same time. It takes discipline. 
And I have to say this, it also takes discipline that if your phone rings, you're not going to answer. I'm going to finish my conversation with Percy. It takes time to listen. And it takes training to listen. What keep what are the barriers to 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 that? And I already or the phone. The text message and stuff, we've got to put it in its right place. Time pressures, multitasking, this is a barrier. The speaker's voice, too loud, too soft, unfamiliar accent. You start tuning a person, especially when, if I'm in India, they're speaking English, but it might be their second language. It's hard. And I've become more tolerant of it, but there's some people who have a very low tolerance for a, non, a, a non-native speaker. The room temperature, the culture, the age, the gender, noise, when we have that door open, class, status, their higher status, lower status. Well, we did that when we were in, in, in academy or high school. If you were a senior, do you remember who was the freshman? <laughs> People say, I went to school with you. I said, what year were you there? <laughs> I don't remember you. Go ahead, Jim. Sometimes I had trouble listening to Mark Howard or, or hearing what he was saying okay. when he gets into the higher pitches or, or so, stuff he talks really fast. Yeah, okay, fast. Now, a couple of times, you slow down and talk softer. Yep. And I could understand the words. So there, there's also a physical barrier. And I don't know if that's something to do with the equipment or if it's just his voice. And some of it is also our, you drive trucks, so maybe you're losing some of your hearing range, too. I, you're both of those. Both of those. Uh, the same, the other thing is, I went to Andrews University, and I... There's many cultures there, and people who, who English is not their first language. And so I learned that when people are talking in English, but it's a second language, as long as I get about three out of five words, or I, I start piece, I've learned to piece the words in between. I only have to get the concept. Or some people who have never had this intercultural experience They've got to hear every word, and it just frustrates them if they miss an and or a the. They don't use an article or something like that and, and such. So there's that, and then there's an attitude towards listening. And probably the attitude is kind of a correct attitude cures a lot of the barriers that you have in listening. Uh, listening misunderstandings. Listening, people assume that listening and hearing are the same thing. Are they? We know better. Absolutely. I should have put that in a question. That should be, is listening and hearing synonymous? The next time I teach this, that will be reversed. Same thing with the next one. Um, can you, I'll put in the question, can you become a good listener without uh, daily practice? And is listening a natural talent? See, I've taken a statement and made that into a question. Is listening a natural talent? No. You're not really born with it. You can get better at it. Is listening a function of intelligence? 
No, it, it's not. And, and we'll, if, if, if there's a question in your mind, think about it. Think about it. Do, do, the, do, you, does, is, do you have to, if you have higher intelligence, are you a better listener? I don't think. It's a skill that is learned. It can be expanded, yes. Yes. If you want to be heard. Somebody listening. Say something. They don't believe. More intelligent. Yes, if you have an attitude or you, or you personify a person, you can put barriers up to your listeners by be, uh, being ugly. <laughs> Is listening an active or a passive activity? It's an active activity. Can be both, but it's not successfully both. <laughs> Effective community. Uh, who is response? Is is the speaker responsible for listening, or is the listener responsible for listening, or or both? So, what do you mean by that? To explain that, why or what? now you're speaking my language. Talking about something that I'm interested in, or I can relate to. Something talking about, about what I want. So I know I have your yeah, <laughs> yeah, and 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 as in a class, let's apply this into your Sabbath school class. Think about your audience, and when if you have a person that's falling through the cracks, you're not reaching them. You're you're watching. They're nonverbal, and they're not relating to you. So I'm going to pick on Jim. You're a truck driver. I'm going to say you're driving down the freeway there up in northern Michigan and deer pulls out in front of you. What do you do? I've just engaged him. I don't know what the answer is, but I've just engaged him. And so, really well. <laughs> don't swerve, huh? Don't veer. But, but the thing, don't veer for deer. But, you know, what I've done is I've just reached out and talked Jim's language. Good point. I'm glad you brought that out. It's the responsibility of both. You need to do the best you can as a speaker, as, as the presenter, but as a listener, as your class, you need to be listening to them and um, see what you can do about that. L does listening mean an agreement? Do I have to agree with you because I'm saying, I'm saying, did I hear you say, have I agreed with you? I've just I've just affirmed that I heard what you said. And nodding your head, you could your nonverbals and say then then clarify. I'm trying to understand. Doesn't mean I'm agree. They may be talking about the state of the dead, and they're talking about the spirit. You know, uh, you go to heaven right away. Uh, did I hear you say that you believe that you go to heaven? Let's look at the Bible. What does the Bible say about that? You've heard them, you've affirmed them, you haven't agreed with them, you've just affirmed them. So you can listen without, um, without agreeing. Listening attitudes. Remember the, the thing that was colored at the bottom of the screen? You can't see that if you're on tape, but it was the only thing that was a different color. It was in blue. Attitude may be the trump of, of listening. 
it's an attitude that drives, can overcome much of the, the things. It's probably the most part. Um, think of positive outcomes. I think the book Scriptures talks about that. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the fruits of the Spirit, but, you know, you're, you're, I'm drawing a blank, but the idea is, you 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 don't think you don't think that they're trying to do you in. You're you're not trying to think the negative. You try think positive, keep your trust but verify. You know, listen to them, and uh, assume that they. If somebody says something offensive in when you're listening to them, don't assume that they're trying to offend you. It might have been what you heard. Be long suffering too, <laughs> but yes, uh, don't don't assume. And that's where you can get, you can, that might have not been what said. They might have done, used a poor choice of words, but they weren't trying to offend you. They were trying to make it a point. Especially if, if you have some ethnic differences and, and there's some, some tensions between the ethnicity. Check your attitudes as you listen. Check your, and I think that ties into, uh, maybe was ahead of myself, check your attitudes did they really mean that uh, as you listen? Thank the person for sharing. Affirm the person. You might not have liked what you heard, but thank them for, for sharing that, for that particular thing. And then you can move on. Then you can move on, yes. <laughs> and if it was to totally off base, uh, thank them for their responses and then direct the conversation otherwise. Um, have you been in Sabbath school classes where the, the teacher never listened? Mm -hmm. and, and you know, there's a couple, I, see, I hear a lot of response. What were people who, teachers that never listened? I think you can divide that out a couple different ways. So share that with me. They never ask a question, yeah. Then it kind of turns into just a one person. You don't get the group involved. You don't get the group. Uh, he's pontific he or she is pontificating. Uh, you've, you know the people that are have the greatest challenge to this and shouldn't is college professors. They tend not to, uh, to they don't have teaching methods often. And the elementary schools is drilled into them. You've got to do this. This is the correct way to teach. But college professors often, they have a skill, and so they don't have formal training of teaching methods. The other thing is, is that a person asks the questions, they get a response, and, you, and the teacher doesn't respond to, to the response. Well, the teacher asks the question, they answer it. Anybody else get the chance, and then you go right on. Rhetorical. Then he asks a question, and you say, "Well, what was there left for me to say?" <laughs> you know, you said it all. <laughs> There's nothing for me to say. Although, when when uh, Dr. Bakioki, Samuel Bakioki, used to uh, to get do the Sabbath school class, it was a lecture, but it was a good lecture. <laughs> it wasn't interactive, but it was a good lecture. He did interact a certain amount. Listening spectrum. The, this is a spectrum. If you put them on a scale of listeners. You've got talented listeners, people who have a skill and a talent in listening. Idiosocratic, and I wish I had the definitions of these. 
the material I have, the backup material, I, I need to go back up. Oh, that word, iteroskin, he, he knows it. It's not, it's not, it's not consistent. It, I think iteroscentric centric means uh, system, and I think this is the opposite of system, non-systematic, kind of random listener, I would think. I don't know. Average listener, there's a borderline listener, they're hearing half of what you're saying. Disabled listener, I'd have to find the definition of that. You know, I had, I took this class eight years, six years ago. I'm, I'm, I have a little fade of memory here, but you know, I, you know, I might go on to the. There was a website for this, and I don't know if it's still posted and it's still available, but I might want to go back and dig this up. This information, I am. They seem pretty similar. They do. It's it's how do you define to make the difference between those, and then exemplatory. This is a listener that is is using most of the skills and is showing the right attitudes, the skills, and knowledge. Ineffectors, what is the cost? What is the cost of not listening? Have, share an experience when somebody didn't listen to you. It's probably pretty easy to come up with examples of it. I, I'm just trying to think. In uh, last week, is you ever... What if you're... Generically, you order something at a, at a restaurant or or a st th uh, your waitress or waiter comes up and say, "Would you like?" Uh, you're at um, Olive Gardens. Would you like another bowl of soup? You know, you have it's an unlimited amount of minestrone soup, and you ask them for another one, and you wait and you wait and you wait, and that she heard you but she didn't follow through with it, you know? That co it probably cost her in her tip, but it costs billions and billions of dollars. I'm trying to think what it is, but um, listening, I mean, for instance, I, I, I've, I've had people tell me things and you didn't write it down and you didn't follow through with it. Sometimes it costs a lot of money. You know, it's interesting, uh, I did the Ford Windstar taillight system. I was the tooling engineer for that. It was a, I was, this was the previous, it was, it's a long time ago, but it was a turning signal. And I told the, I told the engineer, uh, they said, what diameter do you want? It was a face gated. The, the plastic came into, instead of on the side, which it normally does, and you break off, like when you had model cars and you, it would be in this little grid. And what that was is it filled the, the, those little characteristics, the little uh, deviations, the, the shapes of those vehicles, those model cars, they had to have a lot of plastic, they had extra plastic. They want to make sure the mold was filled fully. So you had these runners that fed it and then you had overrun to, so make sure it felt, filled out the whole cavity. But the, he asked me, this was face gated, so it's on a clear lens. It was an amber lens on the Ford Windstar. And we put the plastic in the middle and it spread out across the, made the lens. And he asked me, what diameter do you ha ha want it to be? 
this is almost more of a communication problem. I said the same size as the European aiming mark because I had seen the European aiming mark. It was so many millimeters wide. And I said, just make it the same. I didn't know what number it was, but make it the same. It's got to be a standard. And he kept asking me, we don't know what that is. I said, just find it out. Just find it out. So they finally went ahead and did it. And when I saw it in the mold, all built, I said, why is it so large? They said, well, they told me there's no standard. It just have to have an aiming mark for the European standard. That's the, how you line up the light bulb in that. I didn't know it. It was a partial listening, but partial communication. I thought I, was, I had communicated what needed to be done, and I had communicated nothing to them. And it cost ten thousand, more than ten, ten or fifteen thousand dollars, and lost about two to four weeks on my project, all because I said the wrong thing. I and listening can do the same thing. You listen, it costs money. I used to say when I was a tooling engineer, I, I made mistakes tens of thousands of dollars at a time, and it, it's expensive when you don't listen. Opportunities are lost. We could have done that, but. You didn't hear me. You didn't listen. Unnecessary mistakes. Not only mistakes, but misunderstandings and hard feelings. And it, it affects your, your effectiveness of not listening. And sometimes it's, it's fatal. Listening is very... Affecting rewar uh, the rewards of it is it increases understanding... It increases people's participation and buy-in. If you're listening to me, I will do anything for you. If you're listening, I will do anything for you. It increases productivity and respect. Listening really, really makes a difference. That was our topic for today. I hope that as you um, go back to your classes, you'll see that listening is more than hearing that it takes effort. Um, and one of the sayings that's a little bit deeper in this presentation is that John Maxwell says that good leaders listen up to 50% of the time. If you personally evaluate how you teach and how you listen, where, what is your percentage? What is your percentage? And... Uh, Give some thought about that as until we get together to uh, the next time. Tomorrow is Thursday, and Thursday is it, the topic is, is basically the fellowship side. What do you do after? I called it the last time. What do you do after closing prayer? Is class over after the closing prayer? And this is a great deficiency. And it applies to me as, as well as anybody else. I'm kind of new in my local, in the church in Cadillac. I've only, I'm in my first year in Cadillac I'm there, and uh, I'm not affecting a lot of change yet. I need to earn the credibility in the SABS. I'm assistant SAB school leader, but I need to make a conviction. I need to make a commitment to myself that our SAB school class needs to do something outside of class. And so that's what the topic we're going to have tomorrow. And then on Friday, we'll talk about the relationship of the superintendent to, to the teacher, the teacher to the superintendent. And we're going to pick up the pieces and tie it all off in a nice bow 
and uh, answer questions that we've, if you have more questions, that's on your sign-in sheet. Um, if you thought of a question since then, write it, pick up your, the sheet and write it in, get it, put it on a piece of paper. I want to address those questions on Friday. So let's have a word of prayer. Our great Heavenly Father, it's a blessing to, to be in your service. And Lord, Sabbath school teaching and superintendency is much more complex, much more complicated, much more important, but it's worth the effort than we ever thought. Dear Lord, uh, listening is something we thought we had mastered. And Lord, as we've kind of delved into it, we'll, cognitive dissidence has come forward. Maybe we're missing what our class is saying. Lord, be with us as, as under conviction, we seek to be better listeners. We actually purposefully, intentionally listen to people and use some of these techniques and check them off, maybe even make a grid, another checklist. After class, maybe Sabbath afternoon, did I listen? Did I, did I use these various techniques? Lord, help us as we grow. We know that we are in your work and that even though we have some ways to go, we're in the right place doing the right thing for your kingdom. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.